Welcome back to what is not just another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. Uh, Will, today's kind of special, man. It feels like a milestone. I mean, it is a milestone. It's, okay, maybe a little arbitrary, but like, feels like a big deal to us. Probably feels like a big deal to anybody who's binge listened the other 99 episodes, because this is our 100th go-round on this. This is episode 100, guys. We've made it to here. I mean, we got a long ways to go, but we've, we've made it to 100. That's about a hundred more episodes than I thought we'd record. <laughs> Based on that first test recording when we were like, yep, maybe this isn't for us. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. It didn't go what a well. journey. You know, what's interesting, you know, I want to provide a little backstory because, you know, for folks that have, have been listening for a while, you know, you're the reason we're doing this and the feedback has been phenomenal. We'll kind of get into that. But I want to talk a little bit and I think, you know, it's worth us unpacking just how we even got here. You know, for folks that are listening to podcasts, creating podcasts, whatever, you just take a couple minutes and talk about what happened and kind of this thing became maybe one of the best product development tools I've ever seen, you know, for our business, right? And so for sure. initially, you know, we it just, Ryan, it just it's, sorry, we're stumbling all over ourselves. It only took see, us 100 episodes and we're still not any good at this. Is this episode <laughs> one or 100? Where are we? Go ahead. I was just trying to agree with you. Yeah, that it's been amazing to be able to really understand not just the audience in a different way, right? Because we've been working with founders for a long time, yeah. but to be able to dig in beyond the provision of things we thought the founders needed externally, right? The tools, the information, the education to really connect at that founder level and think about like, hey, here's what founders themselves actually need, right? Right. And that was such a weird corner to turn because it it feels in in hindsight, it feels like it should have been pretty obvious, right? But it was fun. It was fun to see it come alive as we started to get that feedback on those early episodes, which you and I were both still shaking our heads back going like, oh my God, should we even be releasing this stuff? Like, (laughs) you know, we can hear the burps and the squeaks and the, and all the weird noises in the background, the echoes, the bad audio, like all of it. I mean, I remember being really nervous releasing those first couple episodes, just like, what's the reaction going to be? It was not what we expected. Not at all. The good news is we didn't really expect to ever run a podcast. Like we didn't expect to keep it going. So if people yeah. said it was shitty, we'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're all done here, right? We, we had an escape hatch. But, but to your point, this interesting thing happened. Some of the early episodes, and I think one of the first episodes was the emotional cost of being a founder. And I think another episode was around how 250K was a lot of money. And what we were trying to capture, if you recall, was just simply how do we have the conversations that we're having every day with founders and just record them. Yeah. Right. We're already talking about this stuff. We just needed to hit record. Turned out. Yeah. I thought when we first did this, that you and I would have to have these long scripts and everything would have to be produced, et cetera. And it was funny. Now people can tell because we're doing video now. It's part of yeah. moving to our episode 100. And now you can tell if we have a bunch of jump cuts and it's not us. Yeah. Most of these are all recorded in one shot, mainly because yeah. we're too lazy to, <laughs> to do another take. But anyway, the point is we just started talking. We started the same conversation that we have all the time when you and I were talking, and it just worked. But more importantly, it was just us, which included all the profanity. <laughs> it included all the, the inappropriate you know, parts of our conversation. We did get one piece of feedback about that, which What's we that? summarily fucking ignored. We are like, nope, we're going to keep <laughs> up with it. We're going to keep up with the swearing. Sorry, guy, but we're going to keep doing this. Just stop listening to it in the car with your kids. Right. Hey, that's totally inappropriate. It's like, "Mm, it's kind of who we are. (laughs) 42 years of experience in not being appropriate. It's going to be hard to erase. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, 
So we got it going. But the point is, we got a bunch of feedback from folks and like really intense feedback, which was really yeah. cool, more so than you typically get with a product that you release. And, and we had a light bulb moment specifically from the feedback, specifically from this podcast, which was people were saying, look, you guys are covering topics that are about me, not really about my startup. There's right. a million podcasts and, you know, the education, we have a whole site dedicated to it to talk about how to build my startup. You're talking about the messed up stuff that's going on in my head right now <laughs> and right. kind of what's relevant, you know, a yep. path forward or busting some myths, whatever. And I need that. Yeah. And remember, and so we kind of went to the whiteboard and we were like, hmm, maybe other founders need this. Yeah. And that was kind of our moment, right? And that's been one of the great things about it, right? Is that everybody had this realization that like, holy shit, I'm not alone. Everybody else goes through this. I shouldn't feel bad or weird that I'm having these issues or that I'm feeling this way or that way or that I'm struggling with this thing or that thing. And yeah, again, like in hindsight, it feels like completely obvious, but you know, it took us a while to get there. Well, what was interesting, so we started to have a conversation where we started to say, well, Okay, it's cool that Ryan and I are talking, but we've had these conversations a million times. The folks that we're talking to, the audience, into this conversation, you know, kind of bi-directionally. You know, by the way, I just want to mention, if what we're talking about today sounds like the kind of discussion you wish you were having more often, you actually can. You know, we're online all day, every day, working through exactly these types of topics with founders just like you. So, any question you would have or maybe some problem you just want to work through, we're here and we love this stuff. And we're easy to find. You know, head over to groups.startups.com and let's just start talking. So we started to figure out different form factors for how we could engage. We thought about doing live shows. We thought about doing like a, a Slack channel or, or a combination thereof. And that's actually what led us to the Founder Group product where we said the only effective way we're going to do this is to be able to get a small group of people so you can have honesty in a room together talking about hard stuff, but consistently. If you talk about it one time, people aren't as honest, et cetera. But if you're building a relationship and rapport and you're talking about it consistently, then you can start to kind of talk about some of this stuff really honestly. Yeah. And it worked. Like, who would have guessed? Like, the whole founder group premise came from this. It came from our feedback. It was just an extension of these same conversations that we knew that, yes, it's great to hear it unidirectional from us. Yes, opening up some other channels like email, Twitter, Slack would give some level of exposure and turn it into a two-way conversation, but it didn't give us what we wanted. So we said, how have we done this in the past, right? And we've talked about, you know, founder dinners and things like that being the genesis for both the, the, the podcast and then really that other light bulb that was like, We've been doing this for 20 years, right? Like we've been inviting founders together into rooms to talk about these exact challenges and they open up and everybody feels better and everybody realizes that we're all going through it. We solve big problems together and people right. startups and their lives are better for it. So right. it's been quite cathartic, quite enlightening and absolutely has had an impact for the better on our product and our community, which has been pretty fucking awesome. So thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for giving us feedback. Thanks for pushing us to keep doing this. Cause I'll tell you, and I'm sure Will, you'll agree. It doesn't take a whole lot of feedback to power me up, man. Like there are times where, you know, just like one or two little notes from people. And it's like, I've got months worth of juice to keep doing this thing, which feels amazing. Got to say for folks that, you know, have been maybe hesitant to reach out to us or, you know, I've thought, ah, these guys don't, don't have time for this or whatever we pour through every single thing you send us. I just want to be very yeah, clear, right? Like you will get a response. 
probably more than you want. You're like, I really liked your podcast. And then we write you a three page response and they're like, yeah, yeah right, right. I'm just trying to high five you, man. Didn't need the life story even. Yeah. Look, if you want to hit us up, we're at therapy at startups.com. We're easy to get a hold of. Apparently we have a lot of free time on our hands <laughs> and we love the feedback. Look, the feedback is kind of what's allowed us to really take this thing to the next level. So much love for all of that. And with that said, Ryan, why don't we actually record an episode? <laughs> we probably should have a 100th episode for our 100th episode, shouldn't we? Yeah, right, right, right. This feels like a good 100th episode, right? This feels like a centennial type topic. We're going to talk about who's qualified to be a founder. And Will, you have a really specific answer to this one that I love, which is nobody. I mean, fundamentally, it's like who's qualified to be the president? Yeah. Right. I mean, discount all the candidates we've had up up till this point. Right. But no matter who you are, you're pretty much unqualified for the job because it's just too complicated. Yeah. I think at its core, where this is a problem is that potential or new founders, even, you know, some existing founders are all second guessing themselves. They're all like, oh, I guess those guys must have it all figured out. Right. Right. You know, somebody else must have gone through this secret founder training that I didn't get. And, and they've got the answers or they've somehow got this background because from where I'm sitting, this looks super complicated. And I don't understand any of it. Right. <laughs> but they make it look so easy. Allow me to provide the counter example really quickly here. Right. So we can look at a lot of different founders and I don't want to pick on anybody in particular, but I'm going to. Let's look back a couple of years at WeWork. Right. And look at Adam Newman. And everybody's looking at the guy and this guy's got it all figured out, man. He knows everything. He's a guru. The guy doesn't even have to touch his surfboard. He just floats above it. And it turns out <laughs> I spent a lot of time doing that, apparently. Yeah. So sorry for picking on Adam, but it just goes to point out that that picture that we get from the outside. Right. And these snapshot moments, these Instagrammable pictures that we use to form our opinions about what another founder is capable of or isn't capable of, and then we start to measure ourselves against that, remember that when we peel back the onion, when we, when we roll back the curtain, what we find back there is often quite different than what we see from the outside, right? So to your point, don't beat yourself up. Don't have all this self-doubt because it's unwarranted. You know, when I go into the classroom, I teach at an elementary school level, a high school level, and I teach kids basically how entrepreneurship works. And I always have a simple opening speech, which I really love giving. And I say, right now, every single one of you is qualified to do my job, right? And they think that I'm going to have like a punchline to it. And I just stop, right? Yeah. I'm just like, like no, I like hmm. you, you guys think that I've got like some mystical entrepreneurial thing that I do. But the truth is, yes, over time, you'll learn a few more skills. But my nine-year-old daughter last year started a company in 60 minutes. It takes exactly that long to incorporate, register a domain name, and you are now a founder. Yep. <laughs> like It is simultaneously the easiest job in the world to get and the most impossible job to master, yeah. right? So what I try to take off the table, and this is at you know, the elementary school level or the high school level, is this isn't about being a master and then starting the job. This is about becoming a master by starting the job. It's about being willing to put in the time and effort it takes to develop mastery. 100%. Right? That's simple. I had a similar experience two years ago now, I guess. I keep dropping 2020 out of the mix, but it was when I realized I was in front of actual humans. So it means <laughs> that it was, you know, it yeah, was in the before times. Um, and it was a group of mostly college students, but some, some recent graduates. And one of them asked, like, how do I become a founder? And I said, it's, it's actually you know, just a couple steps to becoming a founder. It's like, do you have your, your laptops open? Okay, go to LinkedIn. 
edit your current job title <laughs> and write in founder, right? And then and they all they all laughed. But literally, that's all it takes to become a founder, right? Like right. to grow a big business, to grow a healthy business, to become a successful founder, a lot of other steps involved. But like to your point, they're already qualified. But the one qualification you have to have is the willingness, the perseverance to to actually push through and, and stick with it long enough, right? To learn to right. ignore your own feedback that says stop. <laughs> to be stubborn enough not even to listen to yourself. I think at its core, what we'll talk about today and what we'll, I believe we'll prove without a shadow of a doubt is that no matter what, no matter who you are, what you've been through, you actually can't be qualified for this job. And I think we should talk about exactly why. So when people start to say, oh, bullshit, I got my MBA. And so, you know, so that qualifies and like, mm, doesn't really work that way. I like that you went full Perry Mason on that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, yeah. When, when most of our listeners are sitting there right now going, yeah, I kind of feel that way. It kind of feels yeah. like there's all these things going on and it feels like I should know the answers, but I don't. And I should be more qualified to have this. I should have had this experience and I don't. We're going to make you feel real good right now. Yes. <laughs> because we're going to lay out every single thing you probably think you're not qualified for. And we're going to ex explain that it's kind of no way around it. Doesn't matter. So let's start here. On day one, when you start your startup, you are required by virtue of what the startup needs to be an expert at everything. But here's the worst part. All at the same time. Yeah. And it's all life or death. So you need to know about finance. You yeah. need to know about technology, product development, customer acquisition, you name it. And you have to be a guru at all of those in order to be able to do any of them. Because by the way, you're the only person doing them. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have a staff of people yet. It's just you. And so everyone is in the same boat. They're kind of like, well, okay. Like, you know, I went to school for marketing, let's say, but I don't understand design. I don't understand how code gets written. I don't understand uh, how I should set up our books. I don't understand fundraising. I don't even really understand marketing because I went to school for yeah. it, right? Like, <laughs> I understand marketing. I, I went to school for that. But the point is you can't, right? right. Fundamentally, there is nobody that's this jack of all trades. And Ryan, I'll just one last before I shut up for a second. There's this interesting thing where like, I'm actually not an expert, but I'm now conversant in almost every aspect of a startup, right? Yeah. I work on our design, our product development. I work on our finances. I'm our CFO as well on business development in you know, all this stuff, right? Work on a ton of stuff and I love it. When I worked at an agency, we did technology, marketing and design, and I wanted to be a guru on all of those. I failed on all of them, but that's a different point. <laughs> but even here, almost 30 years later, I've had all this experience on the job doing it, but the truth is every one of those disciplines has so much depth to it that at best you can be conversant in all of them, but not really a master in any of them. You know what I mean? That's correct. Yeah. You have to kind of pick and choose where, where your superpowers are going to exist and eventually fill in for the rest, right? In the beginning, like you said, you're the only one doing it. So you're going to have to do a passable job of it. Right. But I think the, the fallacy here is that I have to be an expert from day one, right? That all of these things are required of me and this business will absolutely fail if I am not a perfect marketer, a perfect financier, a perfect designer, a perfect product guy right from day one, right? And that's just not the truth, right? We don't have to do that from the very beginning. Now, as you said, over time, we can become conversant in things, right? Gaka, if you're listening, Gaka being our founding engineer, if he's listening, he'll laugh about this. I used to be very conversant in technology. I used to code oh, websites. There was a day. Right? 
jacket is literally either spitting coffee or just like swearing at something right now that I would even say that I had those qualifications. But I did at one point in my life. You know, I could I could code front to back and actually knew a couple of the back end technologies at the time that were pretty fancy and quickly realized that if I wanted to grow the business, I couldn't keep up with that piece of it. Technology was changing too fast that there was no way that I could stay even just like, just to be conversant was hard because we were, this was at a time where like everything was changing fast, right? Like Java happened, cold fusion, like all these different technologies were just like flying at us at warp speed. And I realized that if I wanted the business to grow, I was going to have to let go of the desire to be the one doing that piece of it. Right, 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 right. Be conversant enough to know if they were the person for the job and then move on, right? And you just have to at some point. There's no way to be all things to your startup and have a startup that goes anywhere. And let me add to that. Folks are going to say, well, okay, look, I don't really understand finance. Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't understand this whole, like, Facebook customer acquisition thing. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know, I understand my product, but, like, all this other stuff seems super foreign to me. That's because it is. Like, it's always going to be super foreign. To your point, Ryan, you need to know enough and you need to, to get schooled enough. You need to pick it up. You need to get online and start reading about it. We have a ton of courses on startups.com. All right, so just want to let you know, what we talk about here is like 1% of the conversation. You know, really this conversation is going on all day long online at groups.startups.com where Ryan and I pretty much talk endlessly with founders about every one of these topics. So if by the end of this discussion, you like the topic and you want to dig into it a little bit more with Ryan and I, just head to groups.startups.com and we'll pick it up from there. But there's a ton of courses elsewhere too. We don't have a monopoly on that. But you just need to understand that this stuff exists. You also need to be smart enough to find the resources to help solve some of those problems. But there's no possible way you are going to become a finance guru, a Facebook acquisition guru, a dev guru. Like, just forget about that. There's no way you'll be qualified for all those things. No one is. There's also an order of an events in which these things become important. The one I always love when people are like, I really just don't understand accounting or finance. Like, are you making any money yet? No, doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't have anything to account for. There's, there is no finance. Like, you're okay, right? Go figure out the sales and marketing part of it and then call us back, right? So let's, let's just, you know, round that out. Going into it, I think this is one of the first places where people get super overwhelmed and it makes them feel like either I don't want to get started because I don't know all those things because I assume everybody else must and I just somehow don't. Yeah. No one does. Like you actually can't. doesn't matter how much education you've had. You actually can't know all of those things, not to the degree that you're going to be required to know them. And if you're feeling super overwhelmed, you're getting into all this for the first time and you're like, oh shit, you know, like this stuff's becoming a huge problem for me. You're exactly where you're supposed to be right? Yeah. <laughs> There's no other version of this, right? So it doesn't make it better, but just understand you're okay. Yeah. Unless you're building Moogle and you're an ex-Google employee and it happens to be a search engine that wants to monetize through paid search, right? Like unless you're building something that's already existed where there's like a set playbook and you've been in that industry, 95% of this is guesswork, maybe more. Though I think that's a good point. Yeah. On the other hand, like this is the next part. Like first of all, we're super overwhelmed that I'm not an expert in all these things. And it doesn't occur to us that actually no one is. And then we're saying like, okay, but I have to make uh, definitive choices around things that how would I possibly know the answer to? Like, like people are asking me what my lifetime value of a customer is going to be. 
but I've actually never like had a customer yet, right? <laughs> or they're saying, is this what I want my pitch deck to look like? Maybe, I, I don't know, right? Everybody's asking me for all these definitive answers and I feel like it must be a reflection for how little I know or how unprepared I am to be a founder that I don't know those answers. And I think what folks don't understand is you're actually not supposed to know those answers. You're supposed to understand why they're a variable, but there's no way to make them a constant, right? And Ryan, like, I think we could even probably like take a look at some of the things that we've done in product development, you know, recently over the last couple of years and think about how many things, like we've been doing this forever. We don't know either. We don't, it's still guesswork, right? The answer is don't think about decisions as being definitive, right? right? Almost everything that we do in Startup Land is, is, is temporary until it's not, right. Right? right? Some things do become permanent parts of the product mix. But for as many things as you can see on the site now, there are at least 2x that in a graveyard somewhere. Some never made it past paper stage, some never made it past the MVP, some never made it past beta, right? But what you see is a reflection of 10 times as many decisions that were made. Right and then remade, and then remade. I mean, like we can call it pivoting, we can call it whatever right. you want. The reality is it's actually just called being at least partially wrong and then correcting it. And that's totally okay. That is the process. Here's what founders, especially first time founders, just don't get. We're all guessing. We're all guessing. All the time. Because this is exactly what, okay, here's a good example. We are building a product that's never been built before in a market that hasn't existed before with a team that's never worked together before, right? Like every <laughs> single part of what we're about to do is a variable, yeah. right? Like, right? Like somebody shows up with a basketball, somebody shows up with a baseball bat, somebody shows up with a, a KitchenAid blender and they're like, what are we doing? Uh, we're building an app for, right? Like it's just, it's as much of a shit show as you could possibly create and we do it on purpose. Right, and so the problem with the founders, you know, especially the folks that haven't done it before, once again, they're like, oh, well, how much are we supposed to spend on dev? And when, when are we supposed to ship? And, you know, what market should we go after exactly? And all these things, right? They're totally wound up about not having the answers. You can't have the answers to things that aren't known yet. Right? You, you can't know where you're supposed to put it, be putting your money until you put it somewhere and it doesn't work. And you're like, oh, shit, okay, that didn't work. Let's move on to the next thing. I want to stick on that for a second, Will. So there's something that happens, and, and I think that founders treat this like a test, as if there's a right or a wrong answer, and that getting it right or wrong has this huge impact on their business. And, and the reality is there are situations like that. But I think the way we should look at this instead is, is we're defining the answers to the test, right? Like this is, it's a test development process. That's what this is. We're going through and figuring out, here's the question. Here are the potential answers. We're going to pick one of them. We're going to try it. If that works, then yes, we got the right answer. If it doesn't, right. then we develop answer B and C and D until we get there. It's an iterative process, and we have to treat that as the expectation, right? Also, worth noting, be prepared to be wrong, at least partially wrong, more than you're right. And we talked about this in an episode around failure, right, which is that most failure isn't absolute and abject failure. It's some partial failure, right? It's very few things go like all the way to zero. And I think that's important to note here too. That's like these decisions aren't going to take you completely off the rails, right? They may destabilize things. It may slow you down. That's okay. Nobody's timing you. Also, nobody other than you is keeping score on this test. So it's okay. Relax a little bit. 
Right. Bear in mind, this is a test where it's all variables yep. that no one actually knows what the answers That's are. It. You're defining it. Right, right. Here's where I think people get a little thrown on this one. They're like, well, there's an answer for LTV or there's an answer for how much product we should develop, you know, how much time we should spend on it or what features we should launch. I just don't know it, right? Yes. Because I don't know all these things. You and everybody else who hasn't defined it yet, same boat. Right, right. right? There's a little bit of truth to that. If I work with a founder or you work with a founder and they're trying to come up with some of these answers, we can maybe shape it a bit. Yeah. But look, until you sell to an actual customer and their subscription recurs 14 times, yep. how the hell would I know that? Right. Right? All I can tell you, all I can tell you is what the variables are. There's a variable called churn, which tells us how often they're going to stop paying us. There's a variable called LTV, lifetime value, which is which is going to tell us how long they'll keep paying us for. Yep. And then there's a variable called price, which tells us how much they're going to pay and all these other variables. But I can't tell you what the value for those variables are. That's right. This is where startups start to get messed up, or founders do. They start to say, well, I need to know that number because I need to know how much advertising I should you know, budget or I need to know how much money I should raise or I need to like, how could you not know all these things? Right. And the truth is, we just don't. We're in a business of all variables. By a guess, by a guess, by a guess. And I think I've already made this joke, but if you've ever seen the movie Multiplicity, when you start to do that, right, your guess gets worse and worse looking, right? It just ends up being further and further and further from, from the reality in all likelihood, right? And you have to be willing to continuously revisit those numbers. I mean, like, well, how often do we look at LTV? How often do we look at pricing? How often? Constantly? Here's the thing. We do this for a living. So we not only have the benefit of all the businesses that we've started, we have the benefit of seeing all the businesses everyone else started, right? So we have like the biggest, broadest purview you could possibly have of how all of these businesses work. Exactly. So if, if, if there were a different answer here, we were to say, actually, you know, there is a way to be qualified. Do X, Y, and Z, and you'll be qualified. We'd be teaching that. <laughs> That's, we'd be pointing to that answer. We've been doing this as long as we're going to reveal that in episode 200. It's a $20,000 product that we're going to, it's a mastermind. Cliffhanger. Join, and then we'll tell you the secrets. <laughs> yeah, cliffhanger. But look, every bit of this, and you know, we didn't even get too much into team. We're recruiting all of these people that we think might be the right people, but we don't actually know. By the way, no one actually knows. You can say, well, if I had more money, I could hire people with better credentials. True. Still don't know. <laughs> I mean, the problems exist at every level. And the reality is you're going to make your best guesses at who you should hire, how they might work together, what their career paths are, how you should position them, all this stuff. And to Ryan's point, you're going to be mostly wrong. And you're going to have to just work through it, fight through it as it happens until you eventually get it a little less wrong. I don't even want to say right. A little less wrong. Yeah. And look, this, this goes back to a simple principle. And I think this is uh, kind of the, the third cornerstone of this episode, which is that there's just so much we haven't seen, right? Yeah. And, and there's no way yeah. to have seen it, right? If you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, by the time you flipped 300 of them, they should start coming out pretty much the same because you're doing the right. same thing over and over and over again, right? We're not doing that. We're constantly right. creating something new. Even once we've built the startup, right? It continues to change. It continues to evolve. It continues to grow. It adds product. It adds people. It adds customers. It adds markets. All of this stuff changes. And we've never seen any of it before, which means, right. again, there's no possible way for us to have answers for this stuff. And Well, there's also no way to have exposure. 
I think that if we break knowledge, skills, capabilities into two buckets, there's sort of the things one can learn by course of a normal career, right? Or, or schooling. You're going to learn certain mathematics. You're going to learn, right. you know, maybe data modeling. You're going to learn how to use a spreadsheet. You're going to learn coding. You're going to learn all these different things, right? And then there are some things that are very, very founder specific. Talk about funding, right? Like, right. Right. Who the hell would have any idea how to do this having not done it before? If you're one of the point oh 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 one percent of people, and I'm probably not adding enough O's, yeah, right? Who actually came from a venture firm, right? And is now spinning out to start your own venture, then yes, you understand fundraising. You're <laughs> you are one of the few people that gets it. And I know a few of those people, so I, I it's funny, I actually know how they how they get it. But here's the thing: there are so many elements to this business, to, to kind of how this all works, that there's no way you would possibly, possibly know what those are. For example, within the founder groups, we run a fundraising workshop where we just have folks come in and they'd kind of drop in and we all go through all the issues they have with fundraising. And to be honest, the issues are always the same because no one would know. So for example, we always get on a thread that's how do valuations work. Like, I don't understand it. Like, all these companies are raising money. They seem to have a valuation. They raised money on a valuation. I don't understand it. And my answer every time is, why would you? Right? Like, is that what you were doing in your last job? And, and chances are, even if you worked at a funded startup, you probably still don't understand it. Because unless you were the two or three people that happened to be from your side in the room pitching and then going through the entire fundraising process, you wouldn't know it. Just being in, in a funded startup doesn't tell you anything. Doesn't, because you wouldn't have seen that. Luckily for me, Mrs. McCorkle taught us valuations in eighth grade algebra. Ah, um, right. So, yeah. So, yeah. so you, you, yeah. you guys nailed it. So, you know exactly the fundraising stuff. For everybody that went through that, you know, you're, you're set. Right. But, but this is like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can't possibly, possibly understand until you've done it. Nobody learned to swim by reading about it right? You just have to actually do it. Now, you can get smarter about it, right? You can do some of your diligence. You can talk to other founders. You can get more data about it, but the people who get through it have to do it, right? They have to be present and go through that. And that actually applies to every single part of the startup process. Yeah. You can hear about it, be exposed to it, et cetera, but until you're at the center of it, and all eyes are on you, Tupac style, there's no way you'll truly understand or appreciate exactly what this whole thing takes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And again, like some of these things are so startup founder specific that you just got to temper those expectations that you're going to have the answers to those things. Now, that said, getting third-party perspective always valuable, right? Like we can't hand you the answers to your test because these tests are infinitely variable, right? What took for us to build startups.com is not the same thing it's going to take for you to build your business. That said, there are a number of places where we know when to jump and when to duck because we've fallen in the holes. We've hit our heads on things. We do have knowledge. Other people around you have knowledge and perspective, or they can tell you like, yeah, this next part, it's just going to be super fucking hard. And there isn't really a way to figure out other than just getting in there and doing it. That's also good to know, right? There are certain things that are do not do's, right? And there are some things that are absolutely do's. 
Good to know those, right? And that's what the community's for. And like, this is the kind of stuff that we kick around in Founders Group all the time. It's like, well, actually, there is a pretty solid framework for what you're about to go through. You're gonna have to modify it and you're gonna have to bend it and, and make it fit your needs, but there is a model here. In other cases, it's like, no, there just isn't. And good luck, and we're here to support you. But like, that's as far as we can take it. <laughs> Think about this, there's also a lot of things that you may have gotten experience with at your previous companies or in your career, but not as a founder. That's For it. For example, you may have had a 20-person team that you manage. So you're like, oh, I've managed 20-person teams. My startup has 20 people. It's one for one. No, it's not. In that 20-person team you managed for a Fortune 500, if you fucked it all up, did the whole company go out of business? Right? Like, or do you go out of business, right? If you screwed up an HR decision that you made and hired the wrong person or heaven forbid got sued in a class action, do you stop, stop paying your mortgage, right? Are you personally bankrupted by that? No, <laughs> that's not, that is not a one for one. In most of those cases, you had somebody else uphill to turn to and go, what do I do, right? You had someone else who could pass down information, give you support, as a founder, when we look up, we see blue sky, and that's it, and that's on a good day. <laughs> so it's not the same thing. I had a conversation like this, it's been a couple months ago now. Guy came out of a corporate environment and uh, built a services-based company around a problem that he saw in their industry and, and did, a, did a great job with it. But he was like, man, I came from managing 200 people. I've got a team of 15 now, and he's like, 200 was a lot, right? And it felt significant, right? And I, it, it felt like a lot of work. He's like, but 15 in the context of a startup is like trying to herd burning cats into a hot tub. And like, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Pretty accurate. That's what it feels like, right? So it's not the same thing. It's not about the quantity and it's not about having done it before. It's about the complexity, the infinite variability, the unknowns that means you just don't know what you don't know or how to address that. Also, there's no parity in consequence, right? That's really what we're talking about at its core. You've never managed something where the consequences were 100%, right? Maybe 150%. 100% was when you just screwed the whole company over, right? The other 50% was when you bankrupted yourself. <laughs> well, I'm gonna remind you, at the very beginning of this episode, you told people we're gonna make them feel better about- Oh yeah, oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> went way off that course. <laughs> <laughs> Your next decision could end it all. Yeah, wow. wow. We, I guess that went dark fast. Didn't see that coming. But look, but it still proves the point. It still proves the point that at its core, there's no possible way that you could be prepared, that you could be educated, skilled up, call it what you want, to be qualified for this job. So That's right. if what you're feeling right now is... I'm overwhelmed. There has to be a different parallel universe version of me that has all these answers, or there's this Yoda-like person that could come in and give me all these answers. Look, you can get a few answers, but the reality is you just have to motor through this in the same way that all the rest of us do. Yeah, you said it beautifully once. There are no qualifications. There are only capabilities. 100%. Right? And and to me, that's the core of it. You will not be qualified. You can't be qualified, right? You can practice all you want. You can read every boxing book there ever was. You can practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. If you've never been in a fight and you're aiming to go take on Mike Tyson, I can tell you how it ends, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it doesn't work. And so, Ryan, let's end it there. Let's end our 100th episode. What do you think? I think this is a good spot. All right, so that was fun. But let's actually keep this conversation going. You've heard what we think about this, but, you know, Ryan and I would really like to hear what you think. And we're online, like, all day long, pretty much talking about every startup topic you could think of, from fundraising to customer acquisition to just really how to get all of this crazy startup stuff out of your head. And there's tons of other founders just like you. They're weighing in on these topics. So you'll get a chance to just hang out and meet some really smart founders. We're also super, super easy to find. You head over to groups.startups.com and let Ryan and I hear what's on your mind. Let's get to know each other a little bit and let's just start having more of these conversations. So here we are. 100 episodes in, we're increasing the volume and the frequency that we're doing episodes. Much to the chagrin of anybody on the other side of the monitor, we're now recording in video, <laughs> so you can see our ugly mugs. But I'd like to say, first off, and I'm sure I, I share uh, Ryan's sentiment here, thank you yeah. for listening, for, for soon to be watching, for responding, for participating. This has been unbelievable. It's been one of the best experiences of my life. And I'm, Ryan, you know, how do you feel about it? Well, I, I mean, it, you get to spend a lot of time with me, so it makes sense. But yeah, no, man, in all seriousness, has this been empowering, humbling, super enjoyable? I mean, it's like ESPN for us, right? Like this is yeah. this is like when I call play-by-plays and, and talk about our favorite sport and then share it with a bunch of people. It feels amazing. And I'm looking forward to doing like a thousand more of these. And, uh, yeah, we're, we'll hit 200 twice as fast. As you said, we're, we're about to double the frequency which we release these things, at least in theory. And uh, we'll see if, uh, if our editors can keep up with us. Today, we actually gave work to do. 100 episodes in, we still make some mistakes. On that note, I got to say, what's really fueled us through this has been the feedback. We've gotten some amazing feedback. And uh, just a couple of days ago, we were in a founder group and we just got this amazing video that one of the founders who's listened to, I think, every episode presented for us. And just, I'd love to leave everybody with what he put together. You know, we asked for his permission to share it. Uh, he was cool with it. And it just captured us. Like it kind of brought Ryan and I to tears. It's kind of representative of the journey that we've shared together. And if you build a product, any product you build, any startup you build, and you get one person to create this kind of feedback, kind of makes it all worthwhile. Hey, Will. So much easier to tell the story here because it's a lot to type. But basically, I was um, feeling like giving up on this idea that I'd been incubating for years. I had a co-founder that was really enthusiastic but wasn't building anything, um, a technical co-founder. And I was having a really bad you know, day, week, month. <laughs> and I was on my way into Boston to do a networking event. And I was just, I was two seconds from turning the car around. I was like, this is the last thing I want to be doing right now. You know, why? I was just kept asking myself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I don't understand. And I was just so down and I felt so lonely. I felt so just like, like alone. Like I, I, I'm doing this and I can't talk to anybody and I, I don't, I can't talk to partner or friends that just don't get it. And so as I was driving, I opened up Spotify and I typed in like, entrepreneur podcast. I had no idea who you guys were or what you were doing and had never heard the podcast before. And um, so startup therapy comes up and just the name caught me. I was like, okay, this looks really cool. Then I started scrolling through. And when I saw the cost of 
the emotional cost of being a startup founder, I hit play. And like right from the beginning, you guys were like, you know, swearing and which I loved and still love just realness, honesty, you know, and not all the bullshit. I, I just, it just resonated. And I finally was like, I can't believe I, like it was the weight that I needed lifted because I just felt like I was alone. And then as soon as these two really smart, caring people were talking about the fact that you understand and you've been there, I was like, okay, <laughs> as, lo as long as other people have been there and just the way you articulated it, the depths to which you went right away, the honesty with which you went there, I could feel how authentic it was. Like after 10 minutes, I was, it was like a, a revolution. I mean, I instantly felt like a weight lifted. I got so inspired. I went into the networking event, which ended up being terrific. And then ever since then, I've been paying attention to the podcast and, and just everything that you guys do. And I'm actually now that I'm in founders groups, I'm totally like reinvigorated on podcasts. I, I listened to like four episodes this weekend. It was just like, oh, these guys are just so amazing. And you can tell that you care. And, you know, I care about helping salespeople because I've built sales teams and I know how hard it is. And I've put so much of my life into this as I can tell you have. And so what you're doing is so beautiful and, uh, and you do it with honesty and, you know, it's authentic. You can tell that you care, you can tell that you love it. Um, and it helps. I mean, I just want you to know how much it helps me because I felt like I was completely alone and that I couldn't talk to anybody about this. Even the people that love me so much and care about me, I would eventually hit that wall where it just wasn't going past that. So it's uh, a blessing to have found it. And I'm so honored to be a part of this family. I'm learning so much. I have so much to learn. And uh, and it's just making this ride enjoyable in the parts that are typically really painful. It's nice to know that we're not alone and other people are, are having the same pain. But if we all come together and help each other out, uh, it doesn't have to be as lonely. It doesn't have to be as daunting, right? We can support each other. So I want to help others. And, uh, and that's why I'm so happy. But that's the story. Um, and thank you so much again for that episode and everything that you've done after.